All right. Bye, kids. Thank you all. Those of you who are teaching our children, we can teach a kid the gospel in three years. That's the plan. And uh, it takes, takes a lot of volunteers. Thank you, every one of you who helped with that. Uh, we are in Second Peter today. Uh, it's kind of cool. We, um, we did a series for about four or five weeks, and uh, I, I didn't announce it because I didn't know we were doing it. And the Lord just had me um, in Second Peter so often, or in First Peter so often, that I didn't realize that we were just going through the entire book. And then um, <clears throat> the following weeks, I was like, all right, Lord, what now? And he began to speak some stuff to me and confirm it. And sure enough, we just kept going into Second Peter. And uh, that's where we are today. Pretty cool. Second uh, Peter is in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible's in two sections. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is um, it's the record of God creating the world and promising that one day he would bring a, a Messiah, a Savior, and uh, that he would save his world. Uh, let me back up. I got distracted. The Old Testament is God creating the world and promising. Uh, he, he, he chooses these people and says that through you a Messiah will come, and that Messiah came. That's when the New Testament starts. Sorry, brain lapse. Uh, so we're in the New Testament, Second Peter. Peter is uh, one of the uh, 12 who Jesus personally discipled. These are one of the apostles who helped begin the church. And so um, this is a book that he wrote, Second Peter 1.16, is where we will begin. All right? Second Peter 1.16. All the scriptures are going to be on the screen. If, you, if you're not a Bible scholar... You didn't know, you don't even know, you didn't know that there was a book. You thought the Bible was just a book. You didn't know there was a book in a book. That's okay. Nobody expected you to be a scholar when you walked in here today, all right? Uh, so it'll all be on the screen, and if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you to take home. It's free uh, right here on our VIP booth as you leave today, so please do that. Second Peter 1.16, for we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me for a second. Lord, I pray that you be with us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak this into our hearts today and, uh, and, and just be with us and show us and teach us, rebuke, and correct, and train us. Um, we need you, and we need your power, and uh, we need your comfort. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We did not follow cleverly contrived myths. The Bible has had its share of critics, <laughs> Nothing in the world has had a greater share of critics uh, than the Bible, and it has stood the test of time, and it has stood in one place as everything has moved around and kept coming straight back to it. And, and there's this marker where Jesus comes, and these people claim, hey, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, he's, he's here. And there has been... Um, a great race to discredit this person, Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Because the, the Jewish or the Hebrew people are an ancient people with an ancient religion dating all the way back to the beginning of man. And from the beginning of man, all the way back in Genesis 3.15 is our first prophecy of a coming Messiah, 
So it's a big deal if he comes. This is the most anticipated event, the most anticipated birth in the history of the world. And they're running around going, it's here. We found it. It's him. We know it. We can prove it. And so there has been a race to discredit Jesus as the Messiah. So uh, last week, we, we went over a little bit of... Um, biblical validation, like validating the Bible as a historic document. And, and the reason that is important is because if we know that the Bible was written long ago when we said it was written, now we can look at the content of the Bible and the prophecy that was made in the Bible and see if it comes true. How do you know if someone is a prophet? If they're really a prophet from God, then what they say will be true right? We have had our share of people all over TV and radio and everything else that have been making all sorts of predictions and, and hey, we were supposed to all die in 2012, right? And it was prophesied over and over and over and over and over. It didn't happen. So guess what? Those people were liars, false prophets, now, some are confused. Not everyone's just an, an absolute liar. They were told something and they believed it. That's just confusion, I understand. But, it, but it, it originated from a lie. But the things that Jesus said, what about that? And so last, last week we went into a bit of archaeology and I, re- I got good feedback. So there, there's a, a term called apologetics. It has nothing to do with apology. It's, it's an argument for the defense of the gospel. And every time I do a, an apologetic sermon, everybody high-fives me on the way out like, mm, yeah, it was whatever, you know. And I got good feedback last week. I was so stoked. Thank you so much for everyone who was nice. But uh, I encourage you to go back and, and look at that. But it's not, just, it's not just the turn of the shovel that is, uh, that is giving the Bible credit as being what it claims to be. We have other ways of, of validating that the Bible was written when it was written and that Jesus was a real historical figure, figure because the, the Messiah, Jesus, coming to earth, this is, this is the jugular of the gospel. This is, this is the hinge. Did he come or not, okay? And so there, there has been a huge effort to discredit Jesus, but I need you to understand that there was a Jesus. Now, I'm not even talking, maybe you come in here and you're a believer and you're like, hey, I'm way past this. Cool, we'll take some notes because you might need, to need, you, you might need this for a friend. But maybe you're in here today and you're like, honestly, I have questions about it. I'm not here because I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm here because I have questions, and that's okay. We're thrilled that you're here. We want to be your friend. Whether you ever agree with us or not, we want to be your friend. But we need to tell you that there was a Jesus. Now, that Jesus was a popular name, so of course there, was, there were many people named Jesus. Even in the Bible, there was more than one with the name Jesus. But the Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus Son of God, the Jesus the Messiah, that Jesus that we talk about who was crucified, who died on a cross, that Jesus really existed. That's important. And you say, well, how do I know? Because all you have is the Bible. And I'm not going to go into entirely how we can trust the Bible. Because you've heard, you've heard these stories. Well, there's a lot of books that they just threw out. Anytime you hear they, just start questioning. 
okay? Don't y'all hear that all the time? Well, they're saying now. I don't know who they are, but somebody's always been saying that. So, you know, feel, feel free to question those things, but, but, but you've been told, hey, there are other books that people want to be in the Bible because your, your Bible is a collection of 66 books. Well, why isn't it 67? How do you know? And there's a very clear answer to that. It's easy what scripture went in the Bible and not. And I'm not going to go into that today. Uh, I teach that in some of our classes. It gets, uh, that, that gets a little technical, but, but we're pretty confident on our 66 books that are in there. No problem. But did you know that Jesus is not just written about in the Bible? Other historical figures wrote about Jesus, okay? Now, we believe that our New Testament books were all written before, maybe, maybe the last one, John. Uh, John wrote the book of Revelation. John was very young when he followed Jesus. He, we, we think that he started following Jesus around age 16. He lived to be a very old man despite being tortured many times and being in prison. He lived to be an old man, and so he might have written his book, Revelation, at a very late date, but we believe the rest were written well before 70 AD, all right? Uh, so that, that date is important because around that time, other people were writing about Jesus because he made such an enormous stir. Uh, Thales, in 52 AD, uh, he wrote, he was not a believer, he did not believe in Jesus, and he wrote, we still have extra biblical, when I say extra biblical, it means writings that aren't in the Bible. We have copies of things that he wrote, and, and you know what he wrote about? He was writing about this Jesus, and he was trying to discredit him as the Messiah, and you know what he was explaining? He was explaining that when Jesus died, there was an earthquake, and the sun went dim, and he was explaining it was just an eclipse like any other eclipse. So he, it's funny because, you know, to us, it's, it's, it's not only that he was mentioning the name, it's that the supernatural things that accompanied the death of Jesus, Jesus says it is finished and, and the ground shook and it went dark. And we know this from the scripture. And he was like, yeah, that happened, but here's why it happened. And he's trying to explain that away all the way back in uh, 52 A.D., so probably before some of your scripture was, was even written, we have people writing trying to invalidate Jesus. You know what he wasn't saying? That Jesus didn't exist. Obviously he existed. We can prove Christ more than, you know, I mean, anybody predating uh, a birth certificate. <laughs> we can prove him moreover, okay? Uh, so Thales is not trying to make the argument because those people knew him, met him. Of course they knew Jesus existed. Uh, Tacitus, and he lived from 56 to 120, not sure exactly when he wrote this, but uh, he, he writes about uh, Nero's hatred for the Christians and mentions Jesus. Maribar, a Serratian, if you say it real fast, it sounds good. Um, he mentions how the Jews had killed their king, uh, Phlegon, Pliny the Younger, Suetonius, Lucius of... Um, Simoceta. Yes. Yeah. See? Confirmed. Uh, Celsus, not to be confused with his cousin Fahrenheit. Josephus. And I mean, these are, all, these are all people in history writing about Jesus. He lived. He walked on the earth. He was here. Well, that didn't prove he was God. I, I'm not trying to prove that yet. Hang on. Don't get ahead of me. He was here. 
it's, it's pretty much academic suicide to try to claim that he didn't exist. Now, you may or may not believe that he was the son of God. You may not believe that he had supernatural power, that he rose from the dead, any of those things, but he was here. But then there's this claim from the Bible, for whatever reason he did it. Now, as Christians, we believe that he did it to atone for or to pay for our sins because it took sacrifice to pay for sin, right? We're separated from God because of sin, and something had to buy that or atone for or get rid of that sin. And so Jesus made a bridge for us to get to God, a wood bridge. Ah! Jesus made a bridge for us to get to God by his death, by his sacrifice. So we believe that, but, uh, you know, they didn't have a, a trouble with the existence of Jesus. What they're trying to explain away is that mm, we're not buying that he died and then came back to life supernaturally. The problem is we have so many witnesses to that. Now, and, and I've mentioned this before, but the first people to witness that Jesus had come back to life from the dead because they saw him die. I mean, he was crucified. The Romans were great at crucifixion. It was their fave. They were good at it. They knew how to kill. We know that they stabbed him through the ribs, right? Because it was prophesied as a perfect sacrificial lamb that a bone would never be broken. And so the bones of or the legs of the men on both sides of him were broken. Why would they break their legs? Because they're hanging like this. They're hanging like this. Have you ever done, have you ever done pull-ups and you get tired and you, you're going to wait for a minute before you do another one? What happens? You start choking to death. Asphyxiation, like you, you begin to fill with, with fluid. You can't hang there for very long. In fact, have you all done that where you go to Six Flags or whatever and they're like, who can hang here for this many minutes? And you're like, that'd be super easy. And then you're like, <gasps> you, and so they would break their legs because these men would keep themselves alive by pushing up on the nails that were in their feet, which must have been excruciating, to catch their breath. And so breaking their legs ensured that they would suffocate. They did not break the legs of Jesus because they were certain that he had already died. And to prove it, they stab him through the ribs. And what comes out? Blood and water. So the water comes out proving that he had died from asphyxiation. Now, uh, he comes back to life because it's, it, it, it is knowledge. Everyone knows that he died. And so now these women say he rose again. Now, you, I, I think I told you this last week, uh, that's really significant because Jesus entrusted the greatest news in the world to women who at the time could not even testify in court. I mean, all the things that Jesus did for, for women, was it, was it was really woke of him. It was awesome. <laughs> but Jesus dies and comes back and all of his disciples claim to see it. Now, hold on, because they're invested in this, right? Now, they're, they're in a coup, and, and maybe they're just lying, and of course they're all going to have claimed to see him. He's walking around, and the only ones that saw him were his disciples. How convenient. Well, that's actually not true at all. 
They did claim to see him. In fact, we are reading the story from one of the disciples right now, Peter. But the women also claim to see him, many women. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, the Bible says this. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Paul is writing this, and he said Jesus came, and, and, and at one point he appeared to a crowd of over 500 who all saw them. And what was his point in saying many have fallen asleep, but most are still alive? He was saying, go ask them. And guess what? We have no record of them going, Paul says that I saw him, I saw nothing. We have no record of that. What we do have a record of is the church exploding from that point because apparently they were convinced of something. Also, let's say the disciples, you know, there's this theory, well, of course, the disciples are invested in this because they're going to look really stupid if something awesome didn't happen because their leader died and nothing happened, so they got to make something up. Well, have you ever tried to keep a secret with some friends? How about 11? How about 11 friends? Somebody always breaks. And these guys, minus John, which of course John was tortured and told to recant, uh, but he would not. They boiled him alive, and even then he would not renounce his faith in Jesus and that Jesus had died and come back from the grave. All of them were murdered for their faith, beheaded, crucified. Uh, Thomas took a spear to the back. I mean, they were tortured, and not one of them would say, okay, you got me. It was a prank. Not one. You know, we had, we had uh, a president uh, a while back who was um, caught in a scandal. You're, you're like, which one is he talking about? This is Nixon. Okay, this is Nixon. And uh, this was a Watergate scandal. And one of the men who was involved in that uh, scandal, what's his name? Dusty, was that, is it uh, Colson? Chuck Colson, uh, he, he talks about the disciples, and he was like, man, these guys all died for it. He said, I was just involved with a couple guys, and we couldn't get anybody to shut their mouth. I can't imagine, I can't imagine a whole group. You got over 500 here, all these women, all the disciples, and everybody sticks to their guns the entire time. Let's, let's, let's continue to read in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1.16. I'm, I'm reading the other half of, of, of 16 here. 2 Peter 1.16. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's not, he's, he said, we weren't, we, we're, we're not following a cleverly contrived myth when we made known to you the power uh, and coming of our Lord Jesus. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Isn't that cool? That you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have eyewitness accounts. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the, majest, uh, from the majestic glory saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. I think this is so profound. He, Peter is saying, We're not following a myth. I saw this with my own eyes. Some of you have struggled with your faith. 
and you have questions. And there are answers to many of your questions, and to many of your questions, there may never be a satisfactory answer. Just because our minds are finite, we are so beneath God, there are some things that we just may never know. Uh, although I think most of your questions, just being honest, I think most of your questions, there, there's a very satisfactory answer for. But many things we just won't know. There are many things that you can jump into a debate and, and you just can't prove. But let me tell you what is going to be the most convincing thing in your life that Jesus exists, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is your Savior. If you are an eyewitness of his power in your life. If you are an eye, eyewitness of his power in your life, then you will know. We call that a testimony. And this is my fear for the church, that the church will not have a testimony. That the only power you have seen or that any of us have seen will be someone that we once heard say something. You need a testimony. You need to know Jesus for yourself. You cannot live off of anyone else's faith. It is good to be encouraged by brothers and sisters. I love to hear testimonies of other people, but nothing sustains me like my own testimony. When I was 17 years old, I was... Uh, I, I'm not saying I was, I was out doing, doing all kinds of scandalous things. I had good parents, and so I wasn't allowed to, uh, or I would have. And I got away with my fair share behind their back. But one day, my, my mom rented this, uh, this movie, uh, Left Behind, old Kirk Cameron movie. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. It would probably be like super cheesy if you go back and watch it. But uh, it was a Christian film, and I remember asking myself, is this true or not? I either believe this or I don't. If I do, it changes everything. And so I began to go to church from that point and, and try to put my faith in Jesus, but then I began to have all these questions. And nobody seemed to be talking about any of these questions that I had, and I didn't want to disappoint anyone, so I, I, I remained a closet skeptic. Anybody ever been a closet skeptic before? Oh, get, stop that. Okay. I want you in a year to be further along in your faith. And if you sit and hold on to your, your, your questions and insecurities and never, and never search these things out, how are you supposed to grow? So, I mean, there is a point where we go, okay, you know what, I gotta have faith. But man, it's okay to have some questions. So s stop that. L let me just give you permission because I, I, I held that for a long time and it was not helpful. And I remember I, I just, I, I, I went to church one Sunday and, and they were like, hey, we're in a huge drought, and we're going to pray for rain tonight. Everybody bring your umbrellas. And I thought, man, does God, does God even do that? Is God even real? And I, I, just, I, I was so overwhelmed that I remember I left the service, and I went. I couldn't find an open door, and I ended up in the pastor's office. And I didn't want him to know I would snuck into his office, so I actually got under his desk. Uh, and it was weird, I know. And I, I, was, I was weeping uncontrollably, uncontrollably because I was, I was consumed. God, are you even there? And I said, and I don't recommend any of you 
you do this. It's not even scriptural. <laughs> I don't know why God did this for me, but I said, God, if you're there, let it rain. I mean, we were in a, we were in a massive drought. This would have been 2002. And uh, I, I said, God, if you're there, let it rain. And so everybody went to church that night and they prayed for rain and all that stuff. And then uh, I had a job after school and I went and I, I, was, I was working on some stuff and, and I had my truck door open and I was playing the radio and I remember the, you know, the meteorologist that came on the radio station. You remember back in the day when you listened to a radio station? Uh, that's weird. Now we'd be like, what's a commercial? I'm paying $9.99. Um, but this meteorologist guy came on, and, and, and I've never heard this before. I've never heard this since. And he said, folks, we have to apologize. We missed this one. It's going to rain today. Now, I've never heard somebody say that. And I don't tell this story a lot just because... Uh, just because people will go, oh my gosh, it's, it, it rains on occasion. Droughts always break. You just hit it coincidentally. I've never heard anybody get on the radio and say that before. And it rained. And I went on a trip and, and I went to New Mexico and they were in a drought and it rained. And, and everybody, when I got there, they were like, you brought the rain with you. And I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> and I went, to, I went to Mexico and it rained. I went to the coast and it rained. I have no idea why I was traveling so much. But everywhere that I went, it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained. And so later when I began to, you know, I, I, went, to, I went to a secular university, you know, and, and there they were all super encouraging in my faith. <laughs> and guess what sustained me? that I had a testimony, that I had seen God. And it would not sustain me forever. You cannot, you cannot continue to live off the past. But every time that I would want to jump ship, I would go, but wait a minute, I've seen this. I know I'm not crazy. Well, I can't say that. <laughs> I know I'm not crazy. I know that I've seen this. Your testimony is your testimony. It can't be for anybody else. We try to bring other people's accusations and problems against God, but my question is, how is God treating you? And you've been through some stuff. I, I say this all the time. I can't do anything for you. I don't have an answer. Why did you go through this? I don't know. We'll just sit and cry together. I don't know. But he didn't leave you. Why were you allowed to go through it? I don't know. I don't want anybody else to have to go through some of the stuff y'all have been through. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But he didn't leave you. Have you really experienced a supernatural, powerful, holy God? If not, it's just superstition and that will not sustain. It will not sustain you. Now, I've got to say something important. You want that. I know that you want that. We all want that. And I can give you a lot more stories. And I have, I have, I have things, and I've, I've shared some stories. That was just kind of the first thing that I saw. I have things since then that you can't chalk up to coincidence or anything like that. And, and, and I have those stories. But they came after I placed my faith in Jesus. We want to make a deal with God. God, you do something cool. You do a party trick, and then I'll believe in you. And God's like, no, I am not your puppet. You're not pulling my strings. You have faith in me. That's what I command. I say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have faith in me, and then I will bless you. And it is in his kingdom that we are blessed. Now, the kingdom of God is one day when we're in heaven and all that. That is the kingdom of God. But there's already a little bit of that here because I am the temple. So in the temple, this is, this is heaven on earth 
in, in a sense, that God is with me. So the kingdom of God is, is already, but it's not yet. It's not yet full, but it's already here in, in part, right? And so the miracles, the blessings, these happen in the kingdom of God. These happen in you, but I need you to understand that you need to be positioned for a miracle, okay? What do you mean by that? I'm, I'll, I'll give you scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 8 through 9. Instead, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do this to brothers and sisters. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? And, and it goes on. Go check out the scripture, and he lists things that are sinful. And he says, you will not inherit God's kingdom. In other words, you do these things, so you are not in a position to receive blessing from me. You want to go out and save a ton of people, and he's like, you are not in a position to do that. You're not representing me well. I will not bless this lifestyle. I will not. God says to not be deceived. God will not be mocked, for man reaps what he sows. And so we cannot sow seeds of sinfulness and discord and reap blessings. God, I want to see visions. I want to, I want to perform miracles. I want people to be healed. And we want to see all those things. And I want to see all those things. And I don't always. We did, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, uh, 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 a family came to us, and, and a lady said, hey, my, my father was in a car wreck, and he was in a coma. And we prayed, and they left. And basically, as we prayed, her father opened his eyes and began to look around. And now the healing is slow, but he's healing. And we prayed for complete healing. And as we were praying, we believed that his eyes were open, and he began to look around. There's other times we pray, and we don't see that. But we see miraculous things happen. We want that. We've got to be in a position to receive those things. Okay, I'm seeing blanks there. Get your popcorn. Okay, everybody grab your popcorn. Go ahead and open it up. Yes, you can have food in the sanctuary. It's okay. As long as you help us sweep later. If you are watching this live stream today, <laughs> hit pause. Go to the microwave, get you some popcorn, okay? You might, maybe you got a, a sack of Skittles, maybe you got a pack of cigarettes in your pocket. It'll work, okay? It'll work. This is what I want you to do. You got your popcorn open. Now I want you to take whichever is your popcorn hand. Some of you are like, I don't want to get my phone buttery, so I use my left hand, I use right on my, whatever. Take your popcorn eating hand, <laughs> both hands. Some of you are like, I'm holding it in my legs. Both hands. I want you to take your popcorn eating hand and I want you to clench a fist tight. And I want you to reach into your popcorn bag with your fist clenched tight. Now, don't cheat and lick your fingers and make them sticky, okay? Some of you are, I got kids and my hands are always sticky. And I want you to pull your hand out and see much, how much popcorn you have. Listen, when we tell God that we do not want to follow his teachings, this is our position and this is the blessing. Your popcorn, I'm not holding one, that would have been, a, that would have been much better. Your popcorn represents the blessing, and this is your position to receive the blessing. You didn't get any, did you? Because we are closed to the teachings. We're closed to the instruction, and we say no. And God says, well, no from me too. He says that he will not bless 
sinful behavior. Now, if you walk out of here, and, and this happens all the time, okay? Let me just speak for almost every preacher here. Well, that preacher told me that I wasn't doing things right and I'm going to hell. I did not say that. I said you're not in a position to receive blessing. Whether or not anybody's going to heaven or hell is, quite frankly, past my pay grade. I can tell you what the Bible says about it. I don't know your life. I know me, and that was hard enough to figure out. I'm saying that I want you to avoid frustration because we live not giving ourselves to the Lord, expecting to receive a blessing because we heard it on YouTube, and God's like, it don't work that way. God wants you to submit yourself, to sacrifice whatever he's got. Well, what do I start doing, Pastor? Start reading through the Gospels, and whatever he says, do that. Don't take anybody's word for it. Well, what about you? Can I not listen to you? I'm giving you the word, and I'm encouraging, and I'm saying this is a body is where we are in the Scripture. But you, your testimony, your relationship, that's going to come through your personal time with God. You can't have my faith with God. Hopefully I can help you. Hopefully I can encourage you. But I cannot give you faith. Now, moving along. Do you have enough to go on? 2 Peter 1.19. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter's like, hey, I've got a testimony, but you know what else we've got? We've got confirmed prophecy. Because you, and, and, and of course, uh, most of the time they're speaking to an audience and he's speaking to a mixed audience, uh, but they're speaking to an audience of Hebrew Jewish people who, who believe in, in the, uh, what we call the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is chock full of prophecy about who the Messiah would be. And he's like, you all know the same scripture I know. And he did it. This Jesus came, not only did he walk on the earth, but... He did what the Bible said that he was going to do. Now, here's why that's important. Remember, we talked about through archaeology, through history, we can, we can pretty well prove that the Bible was written when we say it was written. It was a long time ago. That's important because a long time ago, 800 years before, 1,000 years before, 2,000 years before Jesus ever walked on the earth, there was prophecy about him walking on the earth and what he would do when he got here. And guess what? He did it. Well, that's easy. As if I set out to do that, all I got to do is do the stuff that it says that I'm going to do, right? Mm -mm. Because a lot of that was not in his control. Being born of Bethlehem, not in his control. Being called a Nazarene, not in his control. Saying he would come up out of Egypt, not under his control. That all happened while he was a child. He was born into that. He could not make these th those things happen. First of all, if you're from Bethlehem, you're from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth, right? Oh, no. They tried to kill him when he was born in Bethlehem, and so they fled to Egypt, and he came up out of Egypt and grew up in Nazareth. So he did all of those things, which was like mind-blowing to the people. He fulfilled all of the Scripture. Check, check this out. And I can give you a lot of the Scripture. <coughs> 
I'm going to say there are about 63 major prophecies of what Jesus would do when he was here. I'm just going to give you a few of these just for time's sake. Uh, Prophecy number one is that he would be born in Bethlehem. Listen to the prophecy of the old scripture. Bethlehem Ephrathah. You are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Bethlehem, he would be born there. He had no, he had, he had no choice in that. This is a cool one. I, just, I thought this one was cool and you'd like this. Uh, it was prophesied. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday, what was he on? This is, this is a neat one. This is in Psalm. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is prophecy about the Messiah. When Jesus died, he had a, uh, his, his gear was kind of a one piece, okay? <laughs> there was not a seam in it. And so uh, the Romans were like, hey, after we kill this dude, who's going to get his clothes? And so they didn't want to tear it because it didn't have a seam. There was no proper way to tear it. So what did they do? They gambled over his clothing. That's some pretty specific prophecy. And there were about 63 of those, and he fulfilled every single one of them. Now, we can, we can add some of these up and put stats to them. There was a, uh, a professor at Westmont College uh, and he, along with his class, calculated the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made by the coming Messiah. Now, I believe that they could only take eight because they could only put stats in about eight of them, s- such as like where he was born and stuff like that. Like what was the population of the earth at that time? How many people were in Bethlehem, which might have been like 300 people? And, and then we can say, well, what are the odds of somebody being born in Bethlehem? And then what are the odds of these others that they can put numbers to? And eight out of the 63 pro- prophecies, uh, it, it is basically a mathematical impossibility that he could fulfill those. So here's what they said. The odds of Jesus fulfilling these eight prophecies are one in 10 to the 17th power which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because after about $110, like I lose track of big numbers. One in 10 to the 17th power. What does that even mean? So this professor gave us a little, a little helpful tip. He said, take the state of Texas. Fill it two feet high with coins, silver dollars. Mark one, throw it out, stir it up. I'm going to blindfold you and send you out and say, pick up one coin. The odds of you picking up that marked coin. Have y'all driven to Lubbock? The odds of you picking up that coin are about 1 in 10 to the 17th power. That was just for eight of the prophecies. So why is it important that the Bible was written when we said it was written? Because we know that the prophecy was made before Jesus came. And he fulfilled them all. Above all, verse 20, 2 Peter 1.20. You know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was here. He walked the earth. There are witnesses. There is great validation 
that he was who he said he was, but you will never argue anyone into that. I cannot argue you into that. And you are faced with a choice of whether or not you believe that. I want you to have a testimony. I want you to be so in love with Jesus that it doesn't matter what science is saying. It doesn't matter what anybody is saying because it's going to bounce all around. The Bible's going to stay in the exact same place. Our forefathers have had to put up with this. Sometimes we're called brilliant. Sometimes we're called fools. And it always stays in the same place and always comes right back to it. We're in a time in history where the Bible's looking... Because we're just digging up stuff. Everything is pointing back to the truth of the Bible. But that will not convince you. Debates will rage on. You have to have faith. Your faith. My question is, do you? I'm going to give you one last thing. This was proposed by C.S. Lewis famous theologian years ago and he said that Jesus was here you can't deny it and he was one of three things he was either exactly who he said he was Lord or he was a liar or he was a lunatic I don't see a lot of you writing this down. I need you to write down Lord, liar, or lunatic because you have three choices. What about a prophet? He said he was the son of God. Okay, so if he was a prophet, but he wasn't son of God, he said he was son of God, that makes him a liar. Everything that we have from Jesus that came true, or that, that everything we have from him has come true thus far. There are things that we're still waiting on. Everything else has happened. All the markers are happening just as he said that they would happen. And his teachings have brought people to peace. How many people in, in this room, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I, I kind of have a, a guesstimate. How many people in this room were in addiction and said, the teachings of Jesus are what brought me? How many people were in depression? The teachings of Jesus, I had no purpose. The teachings of Jesus, I had a void. The teachings of Jesus, brilliant. And they're true. And they're timeless. We see nowhere where he lied. We have no reason to suspect, suspect that he lied. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. You may not believe it happened or not, but there's a heck of a controversy going on for some reason. Or he was a lunatic. Do you understand that your very moral code, the ethics that you credit to western civilization did not exist <laughs> before jesus i'm not and that's a pretty vague statement but he changed the way that we thought our laws are basically based on this the things that we think are innate morality are not those are his teachings that we're following they lead to peace more than anything ever has well a lot of things have been done in the name of jesus and remember in australia when that cathedral was bombed show me which teaching that guy was following i don't care what he claimed to be he could have claimed to be a unicorn for all i care he wasn't following the teachings of jesus but that's what a christian is jesus teachings are profound they're brilliant and they're true we have no reason to suspect that he was a liar. We have no reason to suspect that he was a lunatic. It leaves one thing. 
I can't convince you of that. You have to come up with that yourself. I want the worship team to come up. We know that Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, came to sacrifice himself to pay for our sins so that we could be with God. Well, then why do bad things happen? I don't know. But let me ask you, what is your testimony? How has he treated you? I can't really plead someone else's case with all the facts to God. How has God treated you? Has he left you? He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He walked on this earth. What was he? If he was just a good man and you just want to have morals and, and, and kind of cast lots on your eternity, maybe there's a heaven, maybe not, that is your business, and we love you with all of our heart, but I do not think that was. And some of you need to, you know what? I'm going to start looking into this, and that's awesome. Thank you for taking that next step. But some of you are like, you know what? I've looked into this. I've looked into this, and it's time for me to say, God, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I believe in you as my Lord because you weren't a liar, you weren't a lunatic, there's no other options. You are Lord and you are my Lord and begin to position yourself for a miracle. Begin to position yourself to see God move. Position yourself to be the catalyst to bring Jesus, to bring salvation, to bring hope into other lives because your world needs it. God said don't ask for the harvest, ask for the workers. I'm asking for workers. But before you can be that, you've got to have faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? I want to pray for you. I want everybody to, to just bow with me and let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will be moving in, in hearts, moving in lives. God, I pray that anyone who has not placed their faith in you will place their faith in you. And I don't want... Uh, I don't want people to make manipulated emotional decisions, but it's what we were talking about today. If you say, I have never placed my faith in Jesus before, and it's time. I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I have experienced enough. I want to place my faith in Jesus. When I walked in here today, I had no clue what my eternity is, but today I want to sure this up. I want to have faith in Jesus. If that is you, while everybody's bound, nobody's looking at you, that's not awkward, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me? I want to have faith in Jesus. I see that. I see that. Amen. I see that. I see that. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to hunt you down after this. But we do have a prayer team. And you have a connection card. You are like, man, I, am so, I have so much social anxiety. That's fine. Write it down on your, on, on your card. But we have a prayer team who will be up here and want to pray with you. They want to walk with you on this deal. I'm asking you to have the courage. I know you're like, oh man, you tricked me. I slipped my hand. No, no, put on the connection card if you're nervous or whatever. That's okay. This is not a guilt trip thing. But if you slipped your hand up and you said, I choose to have faith in Christ, would you come up with our prayer team today? You can do it while the music is going, after service, that's fine. We're not trying to manipulate anybody into this. We just want to walk with you. But there's, a, there's another group of us that say, I have put my faith in Jesus, but quite frankly, there's some things that I'm not letting go of. And I am reaching my hand, fist clenched into my bag of blessings, and that's why I'm not getting anything. 
You say, I've got some stuff that I just need to give to the Lord. Let me tell you, I, I, I know this sounds like a really soft thing to say. This is a safe place to say those things. If you're not safe to talk about what you're not giving to God, then no one will ever get over those things. This is a safe place to have that conversation. Again, prayer team will be up at the front. You have a connection card in your hand. We want to be with you in this. So Father, help us. Holy Spirit, be with us. Put us in a position to receive blessing because we want to receive your blessing. We want to receive a divine word from you, prophetic word from you, uh, the, the, the gifts that are for today. We want to receive that from you, Father, and go out and serve your kingdom and live in your kingdom, Father. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, baskets are going to come up. And, and if you've got something on your connection card, drop it in there. We want to hear from you. Uh, we are, again, I cannot tell you how much we love your presence and you being here. It pumps us up to worship together. But don't, don't let the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We have an hour in here without our phones, without distraction, and God begins to speak, and then we, we, just, we just go out and like tune it out as soon as possible. I'm, I'm begging you, don't do that. I'm begging you, don't do that. If God has been speaking to you, would you talk to somebody about that? Would you at least slip us in a little note? So uh, put that in the offering basket, come see us. Part of the way that we uh, worship is with our tithe and offering, so feel free to drop that in as well. Uh, but if the Lord is speaking to you, Please move on that today. Stand and worship with us.